0: Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor? Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it? Welcome into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build, y'all. Real estate experiment. What is happening, y'all? Today, we got Eric Brown in the building with us in the lab. Thanks for making it happen, man. Uh, like I said, I was saying this offline. We keep things just real transparent, man. You come into the lab, you step in, you're a practitioner. I love what you're doing. I uh, got a chance to check it out. And yes, uh, through the gram. So you guys make sure you check them out. We'll definitely uh-huh. have that in the show notes, but uh, I just find it fascinating that you're uh, you're a lender and, um, and you are doing this actively as a practitioner. And I came across you on social media. And I, that's one of the conversations I want to talk about too is how we're using it as a tool to really just touch people and and help people. So, um, but why don't you just tell us who Eric is and how you got started and who you are now. And, and it's good to see a refreshing face in the building, man. So keep to tell the people who you are, man.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it, man. First off, thank you for having me. Um, of course, you know, it's always good to connect with like-minded individuals and see what, what kind of, uh, collaboration we could do together. Any way I can add value to you, man. That's, that's what I'm all about. So, um, yeah, I mean, my, my story, there's there's a lot of different components to it, uh, just to keep it short. Uh, I actually got started in the industry um, about four years ago. I started as a telemarketer, so cold calling for the first two years of my business. Um, and it was a rough experience. I wasn't licensed. I wasn't really 100% sold on the industry and the opportunity that I had in front of me. Um, and, but after some like, you know, serious soul searching and um, I guess some pain and, and uncomfort uh, feelings, I, I, uh, I said, you know what, let me take a real crack at this. And that was two years ago. Uh, I got licensed, started building my business. And now I, you know, it's, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm, I always say blessed to uh, have the life that I have and have the business that I have and have the relationships that I have. Um, and, and 2020 is looking, looking very, very good, thank God.
0: That's awesome, man. You, you know what's crazy about that, Eric? Uh, I heard, I read this, and I don't know. You got to tell me. I got to hear it from the horse's mouth. Apparently, apparently, lenders are, it's one of the most fulfilling professions out there. Like, like it was actually a st- statistically like, done that this is one of the most you know i guess fulfilling professions you want to talk about that i mean what do you tell the people what you do because you know they hear lender they hear mortgage broker they hear you know maybe you want to tell the people who you really are and what it is that you're doing for most folks out here
1: yeah i mean uh, my comment on that would be i i don't know uh many loan officers who are fulfilled doing what they do uh however however uh i definitely am and um this business has definitely changed my life forever and Um, now what do I do on a daily basis I help people finance homes so very very simply put if I'm looking to buy a house most of the time I don't have let's say the house is 500 grand most of the time I don't have 500 grand to buy a house with so uh, that's that's where a bank comes in and and that's what I help kind of navigate I navigate people through that process and uh, make sure that they're making the right decision and make sure their, their qualification meet meets the qualifications needed to get a loan um, ahead of time. So there aren't any, uh, you know, explosions during the process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, um, that's kind of what I do on a daily basis and um, simply, simply put, obviously there's a lot more to it than that, especially on the building the business side of things. Um maybe at the semi macro level where I'm kind of meeting with referral partners and and the behind, the behind the scenes stuff, if you will. Um, but generally put I help people finance houses.
0: Which we'll get into because you're not gonna yeah. sneak into the lab without us really understanding. Because <laughs> what I always what I always say, Eric, is I love having practitioners or subject matter experts, as I would call you, come into the lab because that's the only way we can understand how to do business with you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, we, we our community is made up of a lot of different folks uh who are majorly entrepreneurs in real estate right so i have a lot of multi-family apartment uh, uh guys who come in here which is a, com- a complete different ball game but i really want to touch up on the person who you know there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are literally you know making a lot of money uh and or and maybe not even thinking about investments and or getting into a property for themselves and it sounds like correct me if i'm wrong i think it was like 90 of the of the people that you help are first-time home buyers is that correct yes yeah okay Okay, excellent. Do you want to talk about like, uh, you, you mentioned this in one of your posts too, which I, again, I followed you closely. I got to do my homework, man. So um, you mentioned there's a few things that tend to come up. Do You want to talk about some of the misconceptions that people have? Because I, I think that's really where I want to hone in on. Of, you know, this is a knowledge place to learn. So what are some things that, are, that continue to come up that you're like, man, isn't it so obvious for me and my lens? But what do you see?
1: Yeah, so um, a few common misconceptions that you even may have heard that are misconceptions are, um, you know, I, I need perfect credit to buy a house. I need an 800 credit score. That's completely incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, the the requirements are based on, on government guidelines, and um, it's not an exact science, so there is some uh, margin for this. But for the most part, uh FHA requires a minimum of five 580 on the credit score and conventional or Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac uh requires 620 score minimum um and there's a lot more to it than that but just to give you perspective you don't need an 800 score that's one common misconception number two I'd say is I need 20 percent down to buy a house right um that is also far from the truth right uh Conventional loans, you can do as little as 3% down for first time home buyers. Uh, sometimes it's 5%. And then for FHA loans, you could do 3.5% down. Um, and when I say FHA, conventional, those are terms that I throw around very, very often. But for a first time home buyer, it's like, what's FHA and what's conventional? Those are two main types of loans that are, are commonly used for first time home buyers. Now, um, that's down payment. So we went over credit score, down payment. uh, And a lot of people think I need to make a lot of money to buy a house, um, which is also not the case. Uh, They generally want to see that you make, and this is a general rule of thumb, just keep it super simple. Um, It's based on what's called the debt to income ratio, which I can break down, but that's right. They they generally want to see that you make double what your mortgage payment is going to be including all of your other debt. So if I, for instance, my mortgage payment is $2,500. All of my other debt, the minimum payments on those are 1000 So in total, that's 3500 in total debt. I need to make double that. What is that? Seven grand a month, right? So that's generally speaking, very, very simple for conversation um, how debt to income ratios work. So you don't need to make, you know, 200 grand a year to buy a house either. Uh, so those are just a few uh, common misconceptions and obviously there's, there's a few more. Oh, oh yeah. I would also touch on, all right. Yes, I can buy a house with minimum down, but my monthly payment is going to be so much higher and I should save for my 20% down payment. There's truth to that. And there's, there's not truth to that. Right. So Every twenty thousand dollars that you put down is going to be about a hundred dollar difference in your monthly payment. So sometimes it makes sense. If if it takes me two years to save forty grand, right? And that's that's you know, at a, at a saving at a very aggressive rate. If it takes me two years to save forty grand, I'm only going to save two hundred dollars a month.
0: It's so opportunity cost. Opportunity cost.
1: Exactly. And, and now what if I'm spending rent for those two years? So if I'm spending rent and I'm throwing down the drain, let's say $2,000 to save $200, you know what I'm saying? So Uh there's a, uh, there's pros and cons that you have to run. Um, And, and it's important. My, the biggest advice that I can give any first time home buyer, this could also be another common misconception is, you need to speak to a mortgage professional. You need to figure out the financial stuff before you look at houses. That's right. Because everything else does not matter until you figure out the financial uh, information. You need to know financially what it looks like to buy a house before you go look at them, right? Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of what I try and focus on for first time home buyers, as you seen, as you might have seen in that post that you're referencing
0: yeah no i i think those are great points that you brought up eric because uh i i think we talk about this all the time on the even on a larger scale it's it's your opportunity cost right i mean I just had uh a j uh ramler shout out to a j ramler was just talking about know your numbers and he, he he's he's doing actually residential and he got into his home ho- house hack as you might know if you're part of the bigger pockets yeah, yeah, where yeah. you live live in one and rent out the other and his whole thing he's talking about how I can actually put, you know, I can be more liquid by being residential, uh, mm-hmm. by understanding the numbers and being able to refinance, et cetera, down the road, which I'd love to talk with you about because that's a big topic. Uh, but I think initially, if you're listening to this and you're, you're a newbie, I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about the, 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 <laughs> it's, it's kind of like being at, what is it? A penny wise and a, and a dollar foolish. Yes. Like, you know, what are you, what are you going to save $200 and continue to throw money out? Um, I think that's my biggest key takeaway, and I just really want to bring that home because I haven't heard that, and that's actually very refreshing to to hear yeah. that from you, Eric. So, yeah, oh, good good stuff. So, so interesting. So, two things I want to talk about because we actually had a guy who came in; he's a kind of a credit guy, and mm-hmm. I'm curious just to hear what what is it that you're telling, uh, you know, buyers that come in, and they're saying, "Hey, first of all, you know, here's my budget," and you're like, "Well, hold on, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Let's get you pre-approved. So, so hold your horses, but." You know, how do you help, you know, or where do you guide folks who may be not ready? I, I'm curious as to, you know, as a professional, uh, do you work with credit repair? Do you, would you even advise people to do that? Or do you think that business, like, what, do you, what is your whole take on that business model? Because I know there's a lot of stuff going on out there and I like having experts come in and kind of like give us the flag of what's good, what's the noise, What are, what is your your thought process on this?
1: On credit, on credit repair, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the times I look at credit every day. Um, I don't, I don't claim to be a credit expert. I'm sure there's people who know more about credit than I do. However, Mm -hmm. I like to think I know a decent amount, you know, if I'm, if I'm helping 10 families a month, that's just 10 families that I'm helping. That means I had to look at 30 credit reports or 40 or 50 credit reports that month to make that happen. So I like to think I know what I'm talking about when it comes to credit. Um, there's definitely creative things that you can do. In credit, credit. There are reputable credit repair companies um, that know what they're doing and actually accomplish the things that, they're gonna, that they say they're going to accomplish. Um, what I like to do with my customers, um, and this isn't for everybody, uh, but I, the first thing that I do when I look at a credit report is see if there's any ways we can boost it. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say boost it, most of the time what that means is paying off some debt. So, where's my money best spent? Is it on the extra 10 grand to put down or five grand to put down? Or can I take three, four, $5,000 of that money, apply it towards my credit, my my debt to pay off some balances so that my scores then are in the 700s and I can do a conventional loan versus an FHA loan and save money monthly uh, on the mortgage insurance. And I can get into how that actually all works. But that's just one example of how sometimes after looking at a credit report, I say to myself, if we get this to an X on, 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 their, on their middle score, their options would, will open up, and maybe that's a better option for them. So I don't necessarily always use credit repair. Sometimes it's as easy as paying down a balance to get another 50 points on your score.
0: So, um, so uh, I'm so glad you said that. And I want to let you finish. I, I don't want to cut you off. Finish. That yeah, one. no,
1: no, I was. Yeah.
0: So, so, so uh, that's, f- I'm so glad you brought that up because earlier you op- opened up the episode and you started, you know, talking about FHA and conventional and you mentioned mm-hmm. 580 versus 620. And mm-hmm. you also mentioned, so th- this is interesting. Let's bring this together. Cause you talked about how, you know, you don't want to necessarily save $200 when you're waiting two years, but now we're also talking about, okay, again, opportunity costs. Where is your money? Best. Well spent. Yes. So you're saying, Eric, if I understand correctly, that you're better off sometimes taking that money, paying off whatever that big, you know, lowering your debt to income ratio, right? Is it lowering or increasing? Lowering your debt to income ratio so that you can then jump into a score that on the long term on a 15 or 30 year loan is going to save you tons of money. Is that what you're saying? Correct. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Correct. Correct. Okay. That, that's really interesting because we don't talk about that enough. Yeah, for
1: instance, I have a I have a client today. Um, I'm actually his brother in law is scheduled to close, and I was able to help him. Okay, and his brother in law refers refers him over and says, "Listen, my brother in law is doing a mortgage." Um, I told him how you work, and I was working with the lender that he's working with currently, and I showed him my paperwork, and I, I was getting a lot better deal than he was, and um he want, he wants to speak with you so this individual has a 619 credit score okay minimum credit score on a conventional loan is 620 all right so what is the what is his current lender doing going fha which there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that right
0: but i see where you're going with this yeah
1: right now what also is very important about the is this individual has $200,000 to put down, right? So what I said is, okay, you have $200,000 to put down, let's pay off a $2,500 credit card, get your score to a 650, now, you're in a con- now you can get a conventional loan and not have mortgage insurance. So this, just by paying off $2,500 in debt, he no longer has to go FHA. He can go conventional since he's putting more than 20% down on a conventional loan. He doesn't have to pay mortgage insurance. With the FHA loan, he was paying about $300 in mortgage insurance. So by paying $2,500 on his credit card, he was able to get the same rate, same closing, actually lower closing costs, but save $300 a month. Um, can,
0: can you imagine the ROI on that, like on that 2,500? Like if we yeah. do the math, like I, I'd like to actually, know, well, we'd have to you, yeah. you, you
1: recoup the cost in, in a few months, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's not like he doesn't plan on paying that credit card anyway. That's his debt. He's going to end up paying it uh, whether he likes it or not, or, you know, he's going to really mess up his credit score. But uh, um, that's just one example of kind of knowing your guidelines knowing how to plan and, 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 and work the guidelines in your favor. Uh, and the lender that he was with, that's an example of just taking the easy route. All right, this guy's got a 619 score. I don't, you know, the, the ratios are maybe a little too high for conventional. Let me just stick him into an FHA loan. And what that lender said is, hey, in six months, when your credit score gets better, you can refinance. And what that tells me is that lender's trying to get paid twice. Wow. So, I mean, this is, for me, this is a loan game, right? I don't want to do two loans. Rather, I rather, I, this is already a referral because of how I work. So, I'm getting a referral, you know, to get another referral and to hopefully get another referral. You know, yeah. it's, not, it's not about a transaction for me and it's, it's really just doing the right thing. But, but that's, that's the difference in a point or a few points in your credit score uh, and, and kind of getting creative and, and using your money correctly to, to open up your options. Um,
0: that, that's fantastic. that's that's fascinating i'm really really glad those are your, your core values and it shows in your work that that you're getting referral business because of that and like yeah. i said don't go anywhere else y'all yeah eric <laughs> around in the building he's right here man the man is right here i don't need to go anywhere else so that's
1: that's that's fascinating i'm uh Insta- instagram it's not your average lender
0: I know, I like that. I thought that was fascinating. That's such, a, that's such great branding, which we're going to talk about in a second. I'm not going to let you yeah. get away without talking about branding because I think <laughs> you're doing a phenomenal job in addition to being Thank a you. practitioner first, which I love. Thank was, you. Um, so, so, Eric, tell me a, uh, a little bit about, um, you mentioned refinance. And first of all, kudos to to that, to, to saving that gentleman lots, lots of money down the road, him, him and his family. Uh, that's huge. Um, can you talk about, refinance is that something that you do a lot for folks that you've seen okay great so would you advise someone you know when i guess when is a good time let's talk about some of the misconceptions about refinancing because we Mm -hmm. hear it a lot especially in our world here on the investing side or people hey i want to get my money out they read about it i'm like oh yeah can you talk about maybe even yourself because maybe does it change from lender to lender what let's start with that and what is it explain to the people what refinancing is and you know what's makes an individual eligible to refinance
1: yes so a refinance is very very simple it's you have a current mortgage that you have on your on your house what a refinance is is you're getting a new loan to pay off that old loan and that new loan has better terms better terms doesn't necessarily mean lower payment all the time it could mean you wanted cash out so pulling cash out um, it could mean lowering your your t- your uh, term of the loan, so from, let's say, 30 to a 15. Um, it could mean removing mortgage insurance. It could mean consolidating debt. Uh, there has to be nowadays, after the uh, old subprime market fell out and the government came and regulated the mortgage industry, there has to be what's called a net tangible benefit. Hmm. So you can't. You can't get a refinance approved unless an underwriter says there is a benefit to this loan, right? Um, a benefit, again, doesn't necessarily mean lower payment because that isn't always the goal. It could be to sh- shorten the term of the loan, which may increase your payment. But anyway, um, that's very, very simply put what a refinance is. is. It's, uh, you're taking an old loan. You're taking a new loan and paying off the old loan. And with with uh, some sort of change or, or benefit to the to the numbers.
0: So that's interesting. That tangible benefit. Uh, so does that mean, Eric? If I go out there to any lender, uh, I really want to bring this home, and I understand myself because it's a very uh, this is a valid yeah. question I have for myself. Does that mean that I'm protected then, and that, that no lender can really refinance me something that doesn't make sense on paper? Is that what you're saying?
1: It, it should be. Okay,
0: yeah, it should, should be, be ideally. Um, okay.
1: Yeah. So. Um, yeah, there, there should be a net tangible benefit. It, are there some refinances that have better benefits than others, right? Or are on, on edge, absolutely. What you then have to look at is what is your plan with the property? That's right. Do I want to refinance a house that I plan on selling next year? No, right? But on paper, it would have a net tangible benefit if I don't calculate the fact that I'm selling it next year.
0: What, what, can, you, can you take a step back and tell us why that might be a bad idea? I, I'm, I'm sensing maybe equity, but I'm not too sure here. Can you remind us? So when,
1: that, when you do a refinance, there mm-hmm. are closing costs associated with okay, it. Okay, so you'd fine- be paying those
0: much- twice essentially, right?
1: So you're paying closing costs to let's say save money, but there's not, enough ter- there's not enough time from the actual refinance to recoup your costs because you're selling the property. So there's, there's usually what's called a break-even point. Let's say, for very simple numbers, um, let's say the closing costs are 10 grand, all right, and you're saving $1,000 a month, right? In 10 payments, you're going to recoup the cost of your 10 grand. If you plan on selling the house in five payments, you're you're a net negative. Does that make sense?
0: Okay, interesting.
1: So you have to weigh, there's always a cost associated with the refinance and you have to weigh the pros with the cons. Um, rule of thumb is if you plan on selling the property, you shouldn't refinance because you're incurring costs for no reason.
0: Makes sense?
1: If yeah. you're planning on selling the property in the near future.
0: Okay, great. So I'll flip that. How early can one refinance?
1: Uh, it depends on if they bought it cash um, there's, there's a few different guidelines. Is that, that the I've
0: LTV? Taken. Are we going back to the loan to value? Is that where you're going with this or? No.
1: Um, where I'm going with this, if you buy a property cash, that doesn't necessarily, you can't really refinance it the next day for, let's say more than you bought it for. Let's say you buy it for 300, but it's worth 500. Mm-hmm. You can't refinance the next day and pull out 500 because okay. the bank's, you're kind of tricking the bank, right? Yeah, so I guess um,
0: from a – that's so interesting because from a – There's a certain time period the Yeah, there's like a is is – yeah, seasoning. Okay, cool. That's, that's um, awesome.
1: I, I, and I would have to there's, – there's a chart that I would have to look at. Don't, don't quote me on those numbers, but um,
0: – so you, you got a chart with your brand on it? We'll make sure nah, you know, nah,
1: nah, No, 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 no. It's the oh. actual government handbook. We call it the matrix. It's <laughs> a
0: pictographic, man. Drop <laughs> that in a story, man. We'll all go follow, man. That's, that's interesting. Are,
1: Speaking of LTV, there are certain LTV restrictions for certain products. Um, If you're doing a regular rate and term refinance, meaning you're just trying to lower your rate or cut the amount of years left on your mortgage, traditionally there isn't an LTV restriction. But if you're pulling cash out, there are LTV uh, restrictions because – Banks want you to have skin and in the game. Certain, yeah. Yes. You want, they want skin in the game. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the higher that you go on the LTV or the percentage of financing on a cash out refinance, the higher the interest rates go because it's more and more risky, the more and more you pull out. That's right. Um, and that's really how banks look at everything is risk,
0: that's right.
1: uh, which we can go into too, if you'd like, but, Every, every interest rate is based on risk. So if I'm putting a larger down payment, I get a lower rate because I have more skin in the game. If I have a higher credit score, there's lower risk, so I get a better rate. It's, it's all tied into the, the likelihood of you paying the loan. And if that likelihood is high and there's lower risk for the bank, you get better pricing.
0: That's yeah, I, I essentially think essentially
1: how pricing works.
0: That's that's a great segue because one of the things that you touched on that I didn't I want to make sure it didn't slip through the cra- cracks was mortgage insurance, and yes. I want to take a step back as to what yes, you yes, just yes. said because, um, it, uh, essentially, what you're alluding to here is the fact that um, you're 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 you have to always factor in the numbers, right? You mm-hmm. know, and I I think what is fascinating is is. What, what must be fascinating for you is being able to show your clients and your partners uh, that, you know, okay, this is how much this is going to cost you, right? Like mm-hmm. for, yeah, I think people need to know more of that, like opportunity cost and like the longevity of the cost versus, you know, if mm-hmm. you're putting more down versus not. And I, I want you to touch right. on that a little bit because you're the expert. That's why you're in the lab. Tell us a little bit about, you know, mortgage insurance and how much of a factor you – you see people either do take it into consideration or not as far as, you know, going into a, an investment.
1: Yeah. um, So for the people who don't know what mortgage insurance is, um, it's essentially an insurance that the banks require uh, to protect them, not you. So there is no benefit to having mortgage insurance. It's very common to mix that up with homeowners insurance, which is to, the client's or consumer's benefit. That great, protects, great
0: great, clarification. Yeah, Thank that you. That protects
1: you. that homeowner's insurance or hazard insurance is, all right, a tree fell on my roof. I can make a claim, much like car insurance. Mortgage insurance is to protect the bank. So it is an additional uh, monthly cost and sometimes an upfront cost. Um, there's a bunch of different um, ways mortgage insurance is calculated, but I really like to boil it down to, again, those two main programs. Uh, There's FHA. That mortgage insurance is called MIP. It's not PMI. So MIP, mortgage insurance premium. It is FHA loans are a government loan. So where where does the mortgage insurance come from? The government, right? FHA mortgage insurance uh, doesn't matter your credit score. It, It Matters very slightly how much you put down, uh, only in increments of significant increments, um, and for the most part, especially if you're putting if you're putting minimum down, it's for the life of the loan. That mortgage insurance does not fall off. Uh, it's a percentage of the loan amount, so it's point eight five percent annualized. So you have a calculator in front of you.
0: I do. I don't wanna,
1: okay. Let me to work. I wanna, uh, yeah, I don't want to. Um,
0: Let's do it right here. Talk to me. Go away
1: from my phone. So let's say it's a $300,000 loan amount Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or let's say a $300,000 purchase price. Okay. I'm a regular consumer. I want to put three and a half percent down. So it's a $300,000 purchase price, which means it's a 96.5% financing. You Mm -hmm. follow me so far? I'm following you. (laughs) 300,000 times 96.5. What does that come out to? Percent ninety six point five percent.
0: That's two hundred eighty nine thousand five
1: hundred. So that is my true loan amount, right? After yeah. my down payment, that's what I'm financing. That's right. What FHA says? Not only am I gonna do, not only do you have to do monthly mortgage insurance, but there's also upfront mortgage insurance. Um, now FHA hey, mortgage mortgage an upfront mortgage insurance premium is. Uh, I think one point seven five percent. Again, don't quote me on that. So, if you times that by what is that loan amount again?
0: Two eighty nine thousand five hundred.
1: Two eighty nine thousand five hundred times one point seven five percent.
0: That's one point seven five. You said? Yeah. Zero point one seven five. Yep. That's fifty
1: thousand. Mm, no. Sorry. It's, it's so do that loan amount again. It's 288, yep. 500.
0: 289,
1: 500, times, yeah. Times 1.75%.
0: 506?
1: Let me it could be like 5,000.
0: Yeah, I'm 5, sorry. Oh, you know what I'm doing? I'm doing, oh my gosh, this is my decimals, guys. How embarrassing in a lab here <laughs> that I've been using my calculator. 0.0175, is that what we're saying? Yes. There you go. 5066
1: okay. okay. So FHA, not only are they going to charge you monthly mortgage insurance, they're going to mm-hmm. charge you upfront mortgage insurance. Good thing is they allow you to finance it in your loan amount. So they roll it in on top of that $288,500. So now add $288,500. $288,500 is. Got yeah, 293566 That's your FHA... Loan amount okay after the mortgage insurance premium is added in, so there's that upfront mortgage insurance as well. Now let's calculate the monthly. How does FHA do that? They times that by 0.85 percent. Okay, so do that
0: five percent. So times Mm -hmm. so that's 0.85 percent. So that's 0.085, right? Mm -hmm. Boom 24,953. Is that right?
1: No. So do it's point eight five percent. You might need to add another zero. Two
0: thousand. Okay. Two thousand four ninety five. Yeah.
1: Divide that by twelve. Two hundred and
0: seven. Gotcha. So is that, that monthly? is the monthly, monthly, monthly mortgage insurance. So they hit. You Eric's taking Eric's taking me back to my math one one, where I'm like <laughs> not putting in my but, my tens and hundreds, and but that just shows you, right? So funny because I'm looking at financial all the time and I, I can't use a calculator.
1: No, nah, no, nah, I still I do I still do the same thing. So basically FHA says, all right, you're putting three and a half percent down. Yeah, we're gonna add. 1.75% to your loan amount. That's the upfront premium. Then you're also going to have monthly mortgage insurance for the life of your loan. That's FHA.
0: Yeah, and All and right? I want to bring and I want to bring that home because you mentioned that's a lifetime. So that that you're, you're, you you got to factor that in and and that ties back to our other conversation where I'm going to ask you the question because you're the expert. Can I refinance out of my FHA loan
1: if you have enough equity?
0: Ah, so that's, so a that's caveat, right?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna get to that right now. So, um, first, what actually happens with that FHA mortgage insurance—the upfront and the monthly—it actually is deposited in like a a pool for the government, so that any time an FHA loan defaults around the country, they they can bail that out. Right? It's it's an insurance to protect the banks against foreclosures.
0: Insurance policy, yep.
1: So um, essentially you're paying for other people's foreclosures. (laughs) That's what mortgages are. That's what mortgage insurance is. So that's FHA, all right? So let's get FHA off the table. Notice how the main things, there's upfront and monthly. There is, uh, it's for the life of the loan, and for the most part it's a flat rate, okay? Now conventional mortgage insurance. This is called PMI, and that's because it, stand, it stands for private mortgage insurance. And that's, it is exactly what it sounds. It's, it's a third party private company that provides this mortgage insurance, unlike FHA, which is government. And because it's third party and it's private, um, and the nature of how it's calculated is, they look at you and give you a custom quote. All right. And now it's, mainly driven by two things. There's a bunch of different things that are factor into the pricing, but mainly driven by two things. Number one, your credit score. Hmm. Number two, your uh, down payment. All right? You get significantly better, the better your credit score is, and uh, the larger your down payment. Um, another thing to mention with conventional, so for instance, same person, same purchase price, same loan amount that we talked about. Remember, it was 0.85% monthly. If I had a 760 score and I was putting 5% down, it would probably be around 0.2%, which mortgage in, monthly mortgage insurance at that rate would be maybe $80, $100, versus the, the FHA mortgage insurance. It matters more the larger the loan amount, though. If you're borrowing 500, those percentages and those differences are bigger bigger amounts. Yeah. Um, so that's one benefit of conventional PMI, that it's, it's cheaper for people with better credit scores. Uh, second is there's no upfront, right? There's no upfront, just monthly. So your loan amount is actually lower. Um, there isn't that additional cost. Third thing is it's not for the life of the loan. It's going to automatically terminate at 78 LTV. And you can request it to be removed at 80% LTV. So
0: okay. that's loan to value, for, for which we Correct. did bring up earlier into the, to the episode. Correct. Uh, so basically
1: when you have enough equity, all right? So after you pay your mortgage for a few years, you can request it. Or when your property values go up, you can request it. Or you wait a little bit longer and it will automatically fall off. Now, the reason I go over all of that is because a lot of the times, unfortunately, first-time home buyers, uh their situation prop maybe calls for a conventional loan versus an FHA loan, and they can avoid the refinance, right? When you do an FHA loan, again, it's for the life of the loan until you have enough equity to refinance out of FHA and into a conventional loan. That's the whole point of that 20% threshold. So if I can skip that, right? And let's say I get my credit score to, you know, above 700 where PMI is cheaper and I don't have upfront and, you know, it eventually falls off. There's no need to refinance and incur the, incur the cost of refinancing. However, this isn't to demonize FHA loans because FHA loans serve a purpose, right? For sure. When you talk, especially for the house hack community, for the people who are, are house hacking, um, I help actually a lot, of, a lot of first-time home buyers house hacking. Nice. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because multifamilies are very common for house hacking. Um, there are certain restrictions for down payment on conventional loans for multifamily. So, a lot of the times, the best route or the only route when you buy a two family house is 3.5% down with FHA. That's why Bigger Pockets and a lot of these famous house hackers always talk about FHA loans because. 3.5% down is the minimum that you can do for a two-family house. Conventional, unless you fit into a small box, which I'll talk about in a second, conventional, the minimum down payment for a two-family house is 15%, even if it's a primary. Um, that's, that's why FHA serves its purpose. And it Also, um, you can go higher on debt-to-income ratios, so if that's you, it fits you better. Um, now there is an option with conventional and not to like bore you guys with guidelines and programs and stuff like that, but I'd have to finish oh, this, it off.
0: With oh, this. this is the juice that we came for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd have to finish off with this. So there's something called, uh, there's two conventional entities, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Freddie
0: Mac yep.
1: Okay. You may have heard of Sony Mae and if you have heard of them, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's for student loans. But there's Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, right? Freddie Mac came out with a product called Home Possible. And it's designed for first-time homebuyers. And it allows you to buy a two-family house using a conventional loan with 5% down. So the mortgage insurance for certain individuals may be cheaper. And you only need an additional 1.5% on the down payment versus the FHA 35, 3.5. right? So you kind of skip the need for the refinance. That's the main thing that I'm trying to uh, drive home here. Now, in order to do a home possible uh, loan, that 5% 2 family uh, program, you need to uh, fall within income limits, which are, it's based on the zip code. Um, It's basically based on uh, like opportunity. So for, for, Opportunity zones opportunity zones yeah it's basically to uh, give give people more opportunity right so um, it's based on the, the the zip code that that house is particularly in mm-hmm. um, and like here in Long Island the average income limit is probably like 70k um, A lot of the times unfortunately in order to qualify for a house you need to make above that a yeah. two family house in Long Island I'm talking about. So most of the time, again, when we talk about a multifamily home with a low down payment, FHA is the best route. And then the goal is down the line, once you do pay down that mortgage or the value goes up, is to refinance into a conventional loan without mortgage insurance, and you're set to go. That a lot of information. I'm I'm no,
0: that was apologize. This is what we need, and this is what you're going to get. I really appreciate you covering that because. Uh, I, I think, you know, a lot of us, and I'm glad you talked about that 15% down as well and the leverage of FHA knowing when to use what. And mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the again, the, that's the entire goal with this, having the knowledge to know yes. knowing what, what to do. And then at the same time, what things you need to focus on? the the one on, uh, the, the one example particularly that sticks out to me is the one where, you know, I might be, you know, on the bridge between FHA and conventional and I might just really need to just look at my finances and make that decision to mm-hmm. and put myself in a good position for the long run to either not have to think about getting rid of P um, or I guess if it's FHA's it's MIP or you can't get rid of have to refinance or <laughs> on the, on the uh, conventional You're side learning. oh I, I got you brother i'm here this is <laughs> this is really good for 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 our, our listeners uh and, yeah. and who may or may not be familiar because i think these things you gotta you gotta be familiar with them and you gotta make sure this knowledge is top of the top of the mind but yeah or for the conventional removing the pmi but i'm sorry yeah, yeah. did you want to add something to that
1: well i i would just say that i think
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's so important to have somebody explain all of this to you yes unfortunately
0: and which, which, by the way, you're doing a fascinating job. I have to say, you're really good at, at explaining. Yeah,
1: and because because I do this, like I have that same exact conversation probably 15 times a day. So yeah. it's just repetition. I'm nobody special, but um, unfortunately, what I see is a lot of first-time home buyers, especially, go through the whole entire process and not learn anything, and not know any different, and maybe get stuck into a product that they may have had better options or if they moved money around again to better themselves long-term. And and, um, at the end of the day, it's very important to have somebody that's going to explain this to you and knows the ins and outs of it. Because although there are advantages and disadvantages to every program, sometimes your situation calls for a certain program.
0: Case by case, case by case.
1: And, and that, like I said, that's not to demonize FHA loans because, that, for instance, that, that low down payment multifamily route, a lot of the times FHA is your only option. Another example would be um, your, you need a, a large seller's concession. FHA loans, you can do a 6% seller's concession. Conventional loans, they cap you at 3%. So in that scenario where I'm super tight on cash and I don't have enough money for closing costs, an FHA loan will allow me to get a double the size seller's concession, um, and that means FHA is a better program for me. That's and that's just one example out of many.
0: Can you touch on the seller's concession? I yeah. might not be familiar with that.
1: Oh yeah, so my fault. I'm. <laughs>
0: um, no, you're the expert, man. That's, we
1: got so A seller's concession is when your seller you you can no longer technically finance closing costs. Okay. So the a fi- closing costs would mean, all right, 105% financing, like no down payment, no closing call. It, like that's how it used to be. Right mm-hmm. now, what you can do is ask the seller to contribute to your closing
0: costs. Closing costs contrib- contribution, right?
1: Correct. So yes. sell, so, and you'll, you'll see this in contracts. You'll see this in offer sheets you, um, and you'll hear it kind of talked about again, never explained though. No. <laughs> um now usually sellers don't give you money out of the kindness of their heart right so usually how a sellers concession sometimes it's it's simply you're buying a house for 300 I'm getting a 10k sellers concession the sellers walking away with 290 makes sense that's that's the, the sometimes most of the time it's I'm buying a house for 300 but I'm gonna go into contract for the house of at three ten or three twenty, and that extra ten to twenty grand is gonna go towards my closing costs because the seller's gonna get the extra money, but they're gonna give it right back to me.
0: That's right. Yeah, we. Um, yeah.
1: So they still net three hundred k. That's the important thing to mention. Um, so that now the one variable is the house needs to appraise for that inflated contract price. If the house doesn't appraise for three ten or three twenty then you have issues. Right. Um, you're not going to be able, the seller isn't going to be able to get that extra money from the bank to give to you for your closing costs. That's so amazing. that's a seller's concession.
0: That's a, that's a, uh, w- that's a really good strategy that I've actually used with uh, folks that have helped uh, my, my buyers um, in uh, I guess in in a seller's market, sometimes yeah. you, you have to do that. Uh, yeah. to get the deal and, and if there's enough like you said if it does appraise and there's enough icing on the cake then there you go you can and it's and it's so interesting because I think now, just not to get too sidetracked but it's a nice psychological trick too for the sellers they're yeah. going to get their number that they're looking for and, and, and they're <laughs> going to come out of them anyways and at the end of the day it's just it's, just, it's a really good tactic that yeah uh, we should use as investors okay cool that's fantastic so you've done a fantastic job of, of, of literally just breaking down your knowledge your, your expertise and which is really fascinating to see because not only are you really passionate about it but you know what you're talking about which is which is great and you know how to ve- explain it very well uh, I want to get into the uh, kind of the, the person behind that I call these the rapid fire questions man and, uh-huh. and then we'll finish up with what you do very best is how you deliver your message out but uh, talk to me you, you must you know educate yourself you know you're a good teacher it means you're a good student what are maybe uh, what is a favorite book out there that's that that you that you uh that really uh I guess brings you uh, brings out the arrogance out of you um,
1: it would, it would have to be, I was going to say, think and grow rich, but I'm going to flip it to the Bible. Nice. That's, okay. uh, and my favorite book in the Bible is, is James. James so okay. that, that scripture say, you know, um, uh, changed my life. And I mean, business, personal development, yeah, spiritual the Bible has everything, so man,
0: good for you. That, that's really that refreshing.
1: Is the, that is the book, you know. Um, But other than that, I'd say Think and Grow Rich. But that's a generic answer. Oh, uh,
0: no, I like. I have me on the Bible on here, man. That's that's really deep. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's really good. Um, Cool. So, what do you think is the best habit that serves you every day?
1: This is something I, I honestly speaking, I need to work on daily habits and daily regimens. That's something that I fall short on. Yeah. Um, I will tell you this, the, the thing that I do every day that I'm consistent with is work. <laughs> That's yeah. I, sometimes there is no organization. Sometimes I don't have the best time management, but I try and complete the tasks that, that I, I set out. So the one thing I probably do really good is make lists and mm-hmm. try and accomplish those lists before the day's over. Nice. Um, but that's, other than, that's very, very simple. Uh, just, I just
0: No, like, and that's what, it, that's that what works, man. There's no hacks out here. I think people are yeah. always looking for a lot of hacks. And I think what's really refreshing is you coming on here and in, in getting down to the basics. And that's why, that's why I like having a lot of practitioners who really get down to the basics and, and give you something practical to, to right. do. So, so good for you, Eric. Uh, excellent. So is there a tool? that uh, that you think that, that helps you excel throughout the day it could be an application it could be like you said a notepad uh, what helps you get through the day mm, it would definitely
1: be uh, my CRM my CRM hmm. helps me what are you um, using I'm using Salesforce <laughs> nice, uh, nice like a mortgage specific built out Salesforce um, but yeah
0: yeah, shout out to Salesforce, man. It's, uh, they've been in business for a minute. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, well, if you had a uh, superpower, what would you pick, Eric, uh, that you could use in business day to day? What would that superpower be? Maybe that something you want to work on? Business? Oof, business and life in business. Let's talk business because we got you out here. You're the subject matter expert. What is one superpower that you, that you wish you could have in, in your business?
1: The teleport.
0: <laughs> what are you trying to get away from? Remember the people are coming to you, man? What are you trying to get away? I'm you trying, trying to,
1: try to go? Get, I'm trying to pop up and, and pick up their tax returns so I don't have to. Wait oh too. my gosh,
0: that's so funny. chasing that. That's, yeah. that's the business
1: That's uh, the business use of the teleportation and then uh, personal use. I can just you know be out when I want <laughs> to. <it. laughs> that's awesome.
0: If you could describe one successful uh, um, a successful investor in one word, what, which word would you pick? In his, uh what was the
1: question?
0: If you could describe a successful investor or in your case, you know what? A successful lender, let's say. Uh, what, 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 what would be the word that you would pick to describe them or describe what you do? One word, in one word. Um,
1: um, one word is tough. I'd say either efficient or transparent or... Um, good with communication i can't think of a one
0: word for that that part that's a good set yeah, sec- that's yeah. Good. okay transparent efficient is that what you said yeah yeah efficient yeah that that sounds like uh, right on i'm not surprised by those <laughs> by those answers um you talk about communication i want to transition right before we you exit the lab you're doing a very good job of 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 really uh producing great content and communicating with your community do you want to talk a little bit about why that's so important to you and, and uh, why you feel it's important today um, in this day and age to really, you know, be out there like the way you're doing it, man.
1: If I want to impact the most people, I have to be where most most people are. Okay. And that's, that's social media. So I'm going to say 80% of the time that we spend on the internet is usually on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, it is, it is became the internet. So if you, if you're in a, in, if you're in the business of impact, if you're in the business of connecting with people and you're, if you're in the business of networking, you need to use these platforms because you're never going to be able to meet as many people as you will be able to meet other than through these things. Um, and that's exactly how we met. So this is just one example of the many, many, many people I've met and, and I'm talking about impressive individuals. I'm not talking about just like, you know, fair weather friends here. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's, that's really what I try and strive to do um, is use social media to take those onri- online relationships offline and add value to them in any way.
0: I love that. And, and you're doing a phenomenal job. And, and I want to piggyback that and, and, and yeah, give you kudos, man, because you're crushing it on there. And I know it, it it's – I think it's really good to point out that, you know, I think you can fake it, but I yeah. think it's hard to fake – being a true practitioner and and people sense that and you're going to attract the right people. Uh, That's why I was like, I got to hit you up, man, because you're keeping it real and you're doing it right. And I think the the other point I want to bring home is you touched on this uh, on your social media, because it's good Avenue. You guys should definitely check it out uh, is, is to, I I think people are are using technology to, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it, some of them are using the right way like you are and then some of them are are, are, are kind of using as a as a way to to separate themselves from the people when yeah. really technology is allowing us to connect with more people so yeah. you know, i always say what a time to be alive man like right. yeah, it's it's really unbelievable to be able to connect with you you know you know miles away you know people from different coasts countries and being able to add value and i think um uh i think that's that's something i definitely want to want to piggyback and and yeah man you're you're crushing it so keep keep it up and guess guess where i got a new avenue of of sending business your way just like that uh so so for sure we'll make sure that the people if they have any more questions i know you're very uh engaged with the community uh where can people find more about what you do and what you can do for them if they're looking to get into a home or simply want to ask some questions and have a family member they want to send your way
1: yeah yeah i mean i'd say instagram uh my instagram handle is not your average lender and, uh, hopefully after listening to this, you find out, you found out why they,
0: they called that. <laughs> you heard um, it here first.
1: And then, <laughs> and then also you could always just shoot me a text. It's five, one, six, two, six, five, four, two, four, four.
0: My man. And just like that, Eric Brown, y'all came in, dropped knowledge, dropped some value. And you guys make sure you check him out. And just like that, we are out. If you're a real estate professional, a real estate agent, a real estate investor, a lender, a multifamily syndicator, a contractor, you name it, and you're looking to grow your online presence, but you have no idea how to get started or simply don't have the time, at Invested Talent, we help real estate professionals extend their current business to social media. Why is this important? Without this, you wouldn't be listening to this show and your own host, Ruben Kanya, and his team would not have done deals they've done today. As a matter of fact, social media has helped us keep this show together, which now exceeds a billion dollars worth of real estate from our guests collectively. That's right. Our reputation, opportunities, partnerships, and most importantly, real estate transactions were started directly from social media. If you're a real estate professional and you lack an existence on a media platform, invested talent can help. Simply go to InvestedTalent.com forward slash social media and make sure you click the get in touch button to get in touch with our team. Again, that's InvestedTalent.com forward slash social media and get in touch with our team. You focus on being the brand and we'll help you build it. now if you know anything about the lab you know that we like to give practical advice so if you feel that this podcast was of any value to you please be sure to leave us a review on itunes by going directly to the podcast app from the show's page scroll all the way down and leave us a review if you're watching this on youtube please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment lastly and most importantly share this episode with a friend you feel will benefit this episode the most remember there's a you and I in build let's build y'all